Hi, thanks for tuning in. This is Druggers for the People. This podcast will contain my feelings and opinions and uh, stories from from my practice in pharmacy, but none of this should be taken as just hardcore fact. This is more about stimulating questions that you can then take to your pharmacist and your doctor and your healthcare team uh, to help you better understand and participate in your care. And once again, just a little reminder, if you're looking for medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, you won't find it here. You need to use your healthcare professional for that. Today, the people is Carol. Hi, Carol. Hi. How are you, druggist? (laughs) (laughs) I'm good. What do you got for me today? I got a question for you. I've heard the term off-label use. What does that mean? Off-label use about like toothpaste or? Referring to a prescription (laughs) drug. Okay. Because toothpaste off-label use, you could put it on a cracker. (laughs) That minty, fresh flavor. (laughs) Yes. Get some fluoride. Get some cracker with a little. How about cheese-flavored toothpaste? Hey, now lots of people would use that. I don't think I would want to use that. It feels a little bit like cheese whiz, but okay. Yeah, you can. Okay, so we're getting off here. but So off-label drug use, um, it does sound like you're you're in some kind of experiment, doesn't it? It does, and it also sounds like um, street drugs, sort of. Yeah. Well, that is off-label drug use. So that counts. So there's that. Except... For what we're talking about here is is a recognized, you know, phrase. This off off label drug use. A company has an idea. Hey, this stuff could have merit here. So mm-hmm. there's like these phases to approving a new drug, new mm-hmm. drug application. So it's they just try it in somebody and see if it does horrible things. These are short, small studies, and they work through these phases. Where the people check. are volunteers. Right? Yeah, volunteers. <laughs> Mostly prisoners. Yeah. Oh, gee, no. <laughs> Sorry. Just clarifying. (laughs) It's good clarification. Um, So anyway, you go through these phases of study until you get to the third phase where it's these these big studies that go on for years and you're looking for safety and efficacy and all these kinds of things. So the drug company, though, to make sure they get it approved, will only have, you know, they'll they'll do these indications that they're pretty certain this is going to get approval. Because they don't, this is incredibly expensive and time consuming. They have to get this on the market. So um, that is what they will, will shoot for in their application. So this is the target disease or condition or whatever that they're, at, this, that this they're is, testing for. That is correct. This is the indication for that drug that the FDA will assess with all the data that's been in front of them and determine if they want to approve this. Now, if something's approved by the FDA, does that mean there are no side effects? Gosh, no. Right. So approval just means that they've determined, based on all the data that's in front of them, that this the benefits outweigh the risk in treating whatever the condition or disease is. That and the FDA is all scientists and doctors. It's not like just random people that are elected, correct? That's right. That's okay. right. The thing that's about off label when he, people feel like that's dangerous. Why off label? Mm-hmm. You know, I get that. Now, I've used tools off-label. Like, <laughs> like, I've used a flathead screwdriver as a chisel. Yeah, I remember that, an incident that, with a drill in our bathroom. Okay, and a, no. <laughs> <laughs> <your> toenail. <laughs> right, oh, that, okay. 
That's good. I'm pretty sure that was off label. Off label, yes, too. <laughs> so anyway, it does sound dangerous, but that is not what this is about. Mm-hmm. So the practice of medicine. This is how these things get on the market, but um, people are out there utilizing these things and discovering other effects that the drugs have. Okay. Uh, so there, and there's a lot of them. So there that could be useful. Very useful. It's incredibly useful. So that's what we're going to get at today is what this is about, how how we end up with off-label drug use and getting a better understanding of what it's about. Um, so the, the FDA does not, once they approve a drug, mm-hmm. they don't uh, regulate how medicine is practiced. So the drug's now out there. Okay. And you can, you know, you use and it. And they've said it's safe for use. Right. But they, but they don't regulate medicine. So if it's used for off-label uh, use, that's... There's, they don't do anything about that. Okay. Um, so it's really the practice of medicine, you know, and and there there is data that's accumulated, and there are, there's reviews and journals are out there. So it's not like it's not a part of of a continuing education for physicians and pharmacists as well that that these other uh, applications of these drugs it it is, but it's not a stringent strict process like you have with initial approval okay yeah um and i should note that uh i'm gonna note here <laughs> <laughs> um the, the the drug companies that have these products that are being used for other things and if it's really working out for them mm-hmm. they're not allowed to advertise that oh that's interesting well look at ozempic yeah okay that was approved for diabetes type Correct. two uh-huh and you know what it's being used for is weight loss right but the company you know, oh, Zembic, they can't, they're not rolling out and showing people you losing weight. Wow. They can, they can note that it's a effect of the drug, okay. not the primary indication. So um, all that has just come from social media and from the media. And um, that's interesting. Yeah. So they, they, but they are not allowed. Now people, companies have done it and then been fined and sued. And mm-hmm. So, uh, so not the route they're going to go yeah, usually. They're just not allowed to do that. And docs, you know, if you're going to receive a drug and it's not for the approved use, and this is, it's really common. Again, it's like mm-hmm. 20% and higher in like psych and uh, pediatrics and um, pregnant women. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's really high in those those areas, but uh, they don't, they're not required to tell you. And I don't think that they really need to. If they've determined in their practice and in their education and following what's going on with meds, that this is your best option. And I hope that 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 the person has an opportunity to discuss with the physician what the what the plan is. Sure. But they, they do not require to say, this is an off-label use, Carol, mm-hmm. and we want you to know that because it was <laughs> not approved. Well, but that's see that sounds daunting and, and maybe dangerous, mm-hmm. but it's 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 really generally not. And if you've gotten to a point where there's just no other options mm-hmm then you may have discussion. Well, this is not normally used for this, but what we can do is try. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, it's not required. And I don't think most times necessary. For the well, okay. So I have a, a question. So you're, you are, is this some a cause for alarm as a patient that this is off label use or, or are the doctors making those decisions based on research? Right. It's, that's what I just said. It, it really is not necessarily cause for alarm. Okay. And there is, you know, continue, when there's continuing education programs for physicians and this is this is the subject, mm-hmm. then, the, then the merits of it 
in the practice of medicine are discussed and, and any kind of things. And generally, you know the the risk of a medication when it's approved. So mm-hmm. that's not like you're going blindly into this, but you're mm-hmm. seeing some additional benefits okay. of it. Wait, so, before we go forward, can you give me an example of one of these just to help clarify? Yeah, absolutely. So um, mood stabilizers, which we've had a um, one of our episodes has been on mood stabilizers. So the, the anticonvulsants, carbamazepine, valproic acid, um, they are and were approved as anticonvulsants, but they're used as mood stabilizers in bipolar uh, disorder patients. And that's a, it's a really rec- it's recommended, and I don't know about first line, but it certainly is a very common part Widely of that whole used. treatment. Yeah. Okay. So that's, a, that's that just me. one small okay. example. So the reason, I just want to real quick say, the reason like in psych and in Pregnancy and in peds and in pediatric patients, that there's a, a really high percentage of off label use. Can you figure, you know why that would be? How do you test kids safely? Exactly. And and pregnant women? Yeah, delicate. No. Delicate. And psych, it's just more difficult to follow and get, you know, the kind of it's it's a it's just a more difficult scenario. So mm-hmm. those three population groups. You know, there's there's a high degree of off-label use because they they've not tested it on these people. But when a situation arises where the risks and benefits are assessed and not treating with a medication that pharmacologically makes sense mm-hmm. the, and that there's there's probably some experience with, mm-hmm. but um, that's that's why that group uh, in particular, those three uh, groups, don't. There's a high high percentage of it. So again, there's not this reason to be just, oh my God, it's dangerous. Right. Well, no, it's just off label. Now let me ask you a question. If if a company like determines that well, we're seeing an incredible amount of use for this off label use, why wouldn't they get it? Why wouldn't they get it approved for that for that indication? Because it's the expensive, long process to do that. That's it, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's the S with the vertical line through it, two of them. <laughs> it's money, money, money. <laughs> and that's a reminder that, um, yes, the drug company loves you, but they're in it for the money. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'm imagining um, people with children that something's been prescribed and they're going to Google off-label use. Is that something that would be a concern I mean, on a parent's part? No, I mean, if they just want to Google off-label use, they can listen to this podcast. <laughs> well, <laughs> or I- they if they do that, though, there's lots of articles about it. We always, sometimes we kind of kid around like, "Hey, look what this is doing." <laughs> <laughs> but that is that's really at the heart of so much of this. You monitor closely what you're doing with the drug, and then you find out, my God, it's having this incredible effect in this area and then you follow it so it's there's this organic natural thing that, that occurs okay can you give me another example of maybe more widely uh, another example that for for just, like a drug that's gone through that you yes, know like ozempic yes. was one but like um for like a, a first line treatment for neuropathic pain for a neuropathy someone's got diabetes they have a pain in their foot mm-hmm. would be a tricyclic antidepressant which is like amitriptyline imipramine those kinds of drugs mm-hmm. and certainly not indicated for that it's a tricyclic antidepressant an older class of of drugs 
that were used for depression. Now we've mm-hmm. gone to serotonin specific reuptake inhibitors, serotonin norepi reuptake inhibitors, these kinds of drugs. So these fell out of use as the primary antidepressant. But for that kind of pain, low dose uh, amitriptyline has has become nearly, if not, the first line treatment for that kind of indication. And when you say first line treatment, is that is first thing they might prescribe? That's right. Okay. That's right. Just. That's, well, that's a good point. Yeah. So these algorithms, these these like pathways that that a physician will follow, and again, there's, you know, this is the art of medicine. Uh, what a doctor decides is based on her or his, you know, experience and the science. It's all, yes, near together. So, um, there's there's a few reasons why things go off label, and so I just talked about those three. You know, the peds, psych, and mm-hmm. pregnant women. Mm-hmm. Um, but life-threatening conditions where there's just not something else available. Oh, I see. You see, it's so it would be like, let's try this. Yeah, exactly right. And when one drug from a class is similar to another, um, you might do, you might use that. Mm-hmm. If, you know, and find out, oh, this actually works. We're getting results. That's right. Um, and then uh, similar conditions again. You you would go and it would be considered off-label, even though it's similar to what it's approved for. So okay. those are the kind of things that happen. Okay. The, so I take one that is an off-label use, correct? Yeah, the um, methotrexate mm-hmm. has found all kinds of uses. What um, was it originally approved for? Well, it was a chemo drug. It was originally released in 1947 as a cancer medication. And I think it was around 1985 that the anti-inflammatory properties that were being seen with it um, came to light. And it was one of the exceptions to what we've been talking about where new approvals, new indications are not assigned to drugs. This one actually did in 1988, the methotrexate was approved for rheumatoid arthritis. Oh, wow. Yeah. So for um, rheumatoid arthritis and uh, it's used for ectopic pregnancies. So again, you find out uh, what the, what the pharmacodynamics, and we've used these phrases, but that's what's like, what is going on in the body? What does it cause to happen in the body? I see. And it, you just have to monitor every new drug that comes out. And sure. we discover things. We get this FDA approval and people think, oh, it's, we're finished worried about this. But <laughs> no. no, you continue to monitor. And like phase four is, you know, MedWatch, you, what else is going on? Because right. there's there's benefits that come out. And then there's also things where we like, Oh, we got to be extra careful because we didn't sure. realize this might cause this problem. Right. So it's this ongoing process. Um, did that did that help you there? Yeah. And did some of this go on like forever ago in the '90s when my mom was in stages of dementia? Did they not like try throwing some other things at it because she was not doing well and it was sort of end of days? Did they? They did, and. Uh, I mean, again, this is just in the treatment process and where a person is is at in their their life and in their condition. That you're talking about the the use of amphetamines for short term in her. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was. That's I don't. A little I wasn't. Bit effective. Yeah, I wasn't involved in that whole decision making process and mm-hmm. what the physician was thinking, but um, it did bring her back a bit. It did, and it was short term because certainly the risks of. Of some cardiovascular event, she was mm-hmm. um, a little older and stroke um, risk. Yeah, and all that right. Stuff. So uh, that 
certainly was an off-label use. And again, I'm not sure about the discussion that your dad may have had or any any of your family. Mm -hmm. But these are things, these kinds of issues are always coming up. And it's a matter of like, are you willing? In that case, there there's not a lot of literature for that kind of use. Right. But what we were talking about here is where a drug is approved and then finds great utility and it's proven to be effective and it's still considered off-label use. So it's like if you use it for a different indication, a different dosage form, a different dose mm -hmm. or schedule, like Lantus Insulin came out as this every 24-hour insulin product. Mm -hmm. Well, they found out that, you know, based on their sugar levels and how it was working, that it's dosed every 12 hours, not uncommon. But technically, that's an off-label drug oh, wow. use. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's just it's very particular to how it was originally proved. Approved. Excuse me. Well, and I I totally understand why the drug companies would do that um, as far as making it super targeted because um, their chances of approval go up, right? That's right. That's absolutely right. So there's, um, you know, again, the physicians the 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 phrase that's used is that there there's evidence that is accepted within the profession of medicine that supports this use, and. Okay. People, that's, there's some folks that might say, that's not enough. Well, this, this medicine is this ongoing endeavor. And um, so if people aren't willing to accept, you know, that there are studies being done that are not just being controlled strictly, like your original uh, drug application, that's, that's their, you know, their prerogative to do that. But... Um, this is really, really common. And again, it's a part of monitoring closely when a new drug comes out mm -hmm. and what it's, what effects is it having? Sure. Um, I had a gentleman that had intractable hiccups and he had been in the hospital for some time and this becomes a very disruptive. And, oh, that sounds terrible. Well, and, and the, your sleep and everything else, your, your whole system. And say intractable means he couldn't yeah, stop. Yeah, it, it could not stop. We tried chlorpromazine, which is Thorazine and uh, all the standard things you might do. But baclofen, which is a muscle relaxant, uh, it's used for spasticity, um, was something that we um, we used. And when I say the doctor had called, said, "Is there something else?" I did research, and um, it did it. It relieved his hiccups. Wow. Yes. Yeah, so off label. Off label. And he got to it. a point. That's not one you just jump at. Mm -hmm. um, but got to a point where his condition was being affected by this. Uh, that's and, great. Yeah. So that, again, that's just an example of off-label drug use. And this is this goes on mm -hmm. all the time. Um, What's, a long time ago, you told me about something about a drug that was originally approved for malaria and had other uses. So I think you're talking about hydroxychloroquine, which was originally used to treat and prevent malaria. And then it's also used for rheumatoid arthritis, which people have come to depend on. And if you'll recall... During the COVID uh, period, when it was particularly active and a really big-time search was going on for treatments, this was one of them. It has a number of things that need to be monitored, uh, one in particular in regard to the heart and the rhythm there. Um, so that was emergency use of the hydroxychloroquine. It was uh, certainly off-label drug usage um, and proved not to be effective, but that, that is one that was um, just for malaria, and now it's also being used for rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah, I, I was going to mention um, about 
orphan drugs. Have you heard of this? No. That's all poor little orphans. <laughs> what happened to their I parents? I know. It is a, it's an unusual term to apply to these things. But um, so when there's rare diseases, and again, the drug companies love you, but <laughs> there's not enough there for them to- in, Make it in, profitable? Correct. Okay. That the government, everything- that was being used to treat a rare condition was off-label drug use. Oh wow! Because okay. there's nothing. Because the drug there's companies no money didn't, behind it to support. Well, they the didn't research. go after that specific indication. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I think it was like around it was 1983 or something like that. Um, the there was legislation passed to to give uh, companies like tax breaks and breaks on application fees and just give them incentives to go after drugs for these rare diseases which okay um this is these are the orphan drugs they were the ones left behind oh the island of misfit <laughs> but if you're one of those people who has a rare condition you gotta have that yes right? absolutely so this was i think a, a great thing that the that the government did but there's still this was just a, a result of all the drugs being off-label drug okay. use so interesting um, yeah and then i want to mention one real quick because we just came out of this pandemic I suppose we still are. We're very vigilant about it. Mm -hmm. The emergency use authorization. Have you heard of that? Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, I remember that. So a number of products were approved for EUA as the, as the abbreviation. But uh, just real quick, that to be in place, there has to be a declared emergency, which is okay. what we had with COVID. With the pandemic, yeah. Yes. So that was what that was about. Okay. So there was a few different treatments that would come and go depending on their how effective they were. And again, this was just constant monitoring. And right, sharing and you have that people dying, so you're going to try whatever you can. That's right. So that's what an emergency use authorization, that's different than off-label. Okay, good um, to know. Drug that use. is really good to know. Yeah. So I guess that's a that's really um, about it. I, I mean, there's a number of products that have fallen into this category. Um, gabapentin. Was ah. Again, that's a, mm -hmm. it was an anti-seizure, but it's used for anxiety, alcohol withdrawal, Hot flashes, restless, restless leg, and some uh, neuropathy, some pain things that can go on. So there's a bunch of them. What we're going to do is address the specific drugs that are used off-label. And this will sort of serve as a um, background for what off-label means in general. Okay. So we, uh, does that That's make helpful. sense? Okay. Super helpful. Okay. So really, um, for me, this whole thing is about like, it's not that it's not right. It's that the FDA has just not approved it for that indication, dosage, or dosage form. So don't be concerned if it's off-label drug But use. the FDA has figured out that it's safe to use for people, correct? With the original indication. With the original, yes. Yes. Okay. Yep. It's like a boomerang is approved for flying around the yard and coming <laughs> back to you, but it's not approved for use as a uh, dining utensil. <laughs> Although it may be used okay. that way. Although, yeah. <laughs> so That would be fun. Set the table with boomerangs all around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, no. Um, well, okay, I appreciate Yeah, I think we've done what we can here. So I appreciate you being here. Thanks. Yeah. I appreciate the... Uh, opportunity. Yeah. Well, thank you. And I appreciate you all for listening. This has been and will be Druggist for the People. <laughs>